Good evening, anyway, everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Moving Past You Radio Show. I'm your host, Juanita Dana, and I definitely want to welcome you to tonight's show. Um, tonight's special, because of its course, the day before Good Friday, and we're, this is Holy Week, and this is just one of the most specialist weeks for me of the year. So I look forward to it every single year. I look forward to the whole Lent journey every single year because it gives me an opportunity to recenter myself, refocus on the things that God has for us. And with that being said, tonight's topic is betrayal, why it's necessary. And I know when you hear the title, I mean, I know many people have read it. Some people have already inboxed me and it was like, are you crazy? Like, betrayal is never necessary. Betrayal is hurtful. Betrayal is mean. You know, why, why is it necessary? We are really going to deep dive into that on this evening because if you think about betrayal, it's, it's a form of hurt. And it always helps propel you until the next thing that you need to do. But before we go deep dive into that, let's open up in prayer. You know, dear Heavenly Father, we pray that the desires of our heart leads us to a happy and fulfilling life. We pray that we are free of tendencies and habits that do not contribute to our well-being. Dear God, we ask you to give us the strength needed to put aside unwanted habits and tendencies as we pray. We affirm the truth of overcoming of God's spirit within us. We feel strong and stable. We become a master of our thoughts, feelings, and actions. We accept the heritage of complete freedom over our former selves. Dear God, with your help, we will be able to live in freedom and in accordance with our best self. We thank you, we love you, and we ask this in your son's precious holy name. Amen. So let's really get, you know, crunk with this. Now, when I think about scriptures and what is one of my favorite scriptures, and it spoke really well to when you're talking about betrayal, and we talk about it all the time, but it's really very necessary with this one so that you can overcome betrayal. And that is Ephesians the 6th chapter, the 10th through the 18th verse. And I am going to be reading from the King James Version of this particular one. I, I prefer the King James Version for this chapter. But any chapter, any the translation that you prefer, go with that. And it reads, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand the devil, the evil day, and having them all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins skirt about you with truth, and have it on the blessed breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, 
wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. When I read that, basically it's telling me you have to be fully armored up because they come in. No matter what you think, no matter how you feel, they are coming. So let's break down this word betrayal. The root word is betray. And let me give you two biblical, you know, definitions. I'm going to give you the one from the um, King James Version Bible Dictionary, and I'm going to give you the one from Merriam-Webster, which is the dictionary, of course, we all use in school, and we still use to this day. But I want you to really take into consideration what the Bible has to say about betrayal. It says to deliver into the hands of an enemy by treachery or fraud, to violate by fraud or unfaithfulness, to violate confidence by disclosing a secret or that which was entrusted to you, to disclose or permit to appear what was intended to be kept secret, or basically it would have never been revealed had somebody not said anything. To show, to discover, or to indicate that which is not obvious at first view. To fail or to deceive. That is what the King James Bible Dictionary defines betray. And in Merriam-Webster, um, they have a couple, it's a couple quotes. It says, considered a transitive verb. Um, it says, to lead astray, to deliver to an enemy by treachery, to fail or desert, especially in a time of need, to reveal unintentionally, to disclose in violation of confidence. Now, there's a lot of times when we think about betrayal, and the ones we really think about the most are when someone is not there for us in our most an ultimate time of need or somebody what they say they had a slip of the tongue. Like they really didn't mean to say what you told them in confidence, but they were in a conversation. It was good. Nine times out of ten, they may have had a few drinks, and they was just partying, and it just completely came out. It wasn't intentional. Yes. <laughs> if you've said, I have been betrayed, everyone has uttered these words once, twice, a couple of times in their lives. You know, especially if you've been a leader in the body of Christ for any extended period of time, you have experienced a major betrayal from someone close to you. You know, the Bible makes it clear that if we follow Christ, we will experience rejection and suffering, and we know the betrayal of Jesus himself. You know, if there was a binding contract to sign before entering ministry, and for most of those that have followed the ministry, grew up in ministry like I did, you know, if, it, if we had to sign a contract when we, you know, said, you know what, Lord, I'm doing this, I'm walking into this, let's go, these are what, well, this is what the fine print would say. 
it would say, the undersigned acknowledges that the ministry may be hazardous and subject to and subject the undersigned to the expressions of animosity, including but not limited to calumny, slander, misrepresentation, and betrayal. Now, we're not joking, you know, betrayal, being betrayed is painful. And they don't talk about it. What they do is they shut themselves off and they just decide they're not going to trust anymore. They're not going to, you know, bring people close to them. They become an island unto themselves. They don't delegate. They don't grow because they don't trust anyone or anything, so they stay unto themselves. Or for those who do open up, they that's all they can talk about is that betrayal. They may have made leaps and bounds with, you know, their business, their ministry, family, friends, but the only thing that drives them is that betrayal. You know, personal experience for me. You know, someone who, you know, I was close to, you know, and I trusted dearly, you know, just walked away. Didn't know why. Never made a mention of it. To this day, I don't know why. And it hurt me because it was like this was somebody I thought who was really my friend. We was good. You know, what happened? But it was in that time of that pain and that suffering that I began to study more. I began to seek God more. I began to focus on what was necessary to move forward in my purpose. And then I began to understand something. The betrayal wasn't to just truly destroy me. It was to get my attention because I was wrapped up in this person. I was wrapped up in this relationship. You know, if they didn't want to do something, I didn't do it. If they didn't want to go somewhere, I didn't want to go nowhere. You know, it was all about making sure they were good and everything was, you know, a spoon coon, and I was ignoring my call and my purpose. So therefore, as I began to grow and to transform and to understand that I wanted things differently, that's not what that person wanted. And so therefore, they walked away. I thought it was just the biggest betrayal ever because my thing is, is I did everything for you. Whatever you needed, I wrote checks. I paid bills, you know, flew whatever you needed. That's what I was thinking because at that point in time with the pain of it, it was like, how could you just do that to me? You know, I thought we were good. I thought she was my friend. And then it had nothing to do about being the friend. It had everything to do about getting my attention and getting me back on track because I had gotten way off track, you know. And it taught me to really, those were some times on my knees. Those were some times in prayer. I went back to prayer like never before. Because it was a lot of nights crying, it was a lot of nights hurting, because it was just like, why does everyone, you know, tend to walk away from me or turn their back on me, and I've done everything for them, and I've given them my all, and I love them, and whatever they needed, I've always been there, but in my time of need, or any time I feel that I need something, or need that same, you know, thought and feeling reciprocated, it's not done. 
And the Holy Spirit was like, you are dependent on them and not me. Again, I was dependent on man to do what only God could do. Plain and simple. Didn't matter at all. I was depending on man. And so as I was depending on man, I was understanding and learning the failings of man. And I had to deal with that all the way. Now, for some people, someone you trusted walk away from you, but see, they didn't go away silently. They left making a lot of noise, saying things about you that just simply weren't true. They called people and spoke lies and half-truths about you. They sent out mass emails. You know, and at some point, they felt that everyone in the world would believe them. You felt that everyone in the world believed them hated you and ultimately wanted to see you fail. You know, you know what Jesus said about loving your enemies, but it's hard. It's really hard because the wound they left runs deep. It runs real deep. You see them or those influenced by them in public, and you want to just crawl into a hole and hide because it's so awkward, and you just don't want to talk to anyone about it. You isolate yourself. You convince yourself that you can never actually trust anyone again because of how bad it hurts. Maybe some of you are going through that right now. You know, and yes, it hurts. And you need to know what? You're asking, well, how do I get past it? How do I get past it, and why is it something that happens consistently, and why do I even have to go through this if I'm a child of God and I'm a believer? Why do I have to go through this? You know, but it's simple. Let's deal with how do you get past it and to move on to what God has called you to do. It's pretty simple. You know, we're giving the greatest model it was the way Jesus handled his betrayal. You know, you think about it. Judas was one of the 12. He was close to Jesus. You know, he heard his words. He witnessed the miracles. He walked with him. He ate with him. He communed with him. And he still chose to walk away. Now, but this is what Jesus did. He didn't allow the betrayal of Judas to sideline his ministry. Actually, Judas' betrayal served Jesus in a way that it enhanced his ministry. Because if you want to really think about it, without the betrayal, there would have been no crucifixion. And without the crucifixion, there would be no resurrection. You know, it's, you know, sometimes betrayal has to happen because it pushes you to your greater self. It pushes you to the point where you are completely and wholly and totally reliant on the Father. You know, Isn't it just like God to use something the enemy meant to use to destroy us for his glory and our good? 
You know, and while this has distracted you, it does not have to destroy you. What happens with us sometimes is we don't want to talk about it. And I'm not saying you talk about it to other people and the Joe blow down the street to your girlfriend. You've got to go and talk to God. You've got to talk to the one who can actually do something about it, the one who can heal it, the one who can show you where you need to be, the one who can curse you through that pain because it's a firing process. And you have to, all the impurities have to be burned off. And sometimes it could be people, places, or things. And so people always say, well, somebody who's betrayed me, they're so close. They were my friend. They were a family member. I'm going to be real honest with you, and I know a lot of people may not agree with me, but betrayal doesn't work with a complete stranger. Tell, tell me a complete, stranger, a complete stranger that you didn't know from whenever that was able to successfully betray you and cut you to your core. I, I don't know any. Every person that has ever betrayed me has at some point spent time with me, you know, ate with me, cried with me. There was an intimate connection at some point in time and over some, you know, period of time. You know, Suze, who I just met two days ago, can't betray me. The people who betray you are the ones that have gone through some things with you, may know some stuff about you, you've opened up and you've shared some things. And what the enemy does, again, we're, we're mad at the person who betrayed us when we should be upset with the enemy. The enemy used that forethought, the enemy used that little opening that was in there so that they can walk in and he can do his dirty work. You know, you ain't got, you know, Mark who's known you for 15 years, and what it is is Mark is not that he's a bad person. It's not that he just doesn't, you know, whatever, but he is okay and content in his life. And you are moving forward, and you are moving up, and you're doing things, and God is blessing you, and he is, you know, you're on this path of, you know, great things with the Lord. And because Mark is content, he's a little upset because he feels that you're going to leave him behind, when in actuality you probably are. So when that little twinge of, you know, Oh, he thinks he's better. Why why can't I go and why can't whatever? The enemy feels and sees that, and he swoops right in. And so what the enemy does is once he swoops right in, she starts saying, well, yeah, he does think he's better than you. Yeah, he's going to leave you behind. Yep, you you should just go out there and just put, remember back in the day when y'all did A, B, C, and X, Y, Z? Yeah, he thinks he's better than you now, but, you know, you got to help him remember where he came from. That's how the enemy works. When he gets, the enemy can have a pinhole. That's enough for him to get in and start talking to somebody. And taking that small little insecurity they had and make it into something to try to use as a weapon against you. Now, please understand, and I've said this always, 
don't think because we're believers that we're never going to experience any of the weapons. They're going to be formed. They're going to be put into action. They are going to be heading to our place, but they're not going to prosper. They're not going to do what they were intended to do, and that's just it. So, yes, they're going to come. Yes, it's going to feel like you got 2.3 seconds before impact, and all of a sudden it just disappears because the Lord said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. So the enemy is going to do everything he can because in all actuality, he does not have the authority at all to kill you. So what he does is he he uses other people to mess with you, to kill your dreams, to kill your hopes, to kill your aspirations because he can't do it. Because if he kills you spiritually, you're already dead. You're just a shell. And that's what he wants to keep us. He wants to keep us as a shell. You know, so that is how it happens. And then now you got Mark putting all your business out there, and you're looking at him like, really, dude? Like, I know you felt that way. And he is just going on and on, and you're like, and now people who, you know, are looking at you like, yeah, you know, you think you better. That's, that's what happens when you just try to be better than someone else. And that's hurtful because you're thinking like, oh, man, these people believe this. You know, or you get the crazy stares when you, you know, walking down the street or going into the grocery store. And it hurts because that was your boy for almost 20 years. You would have never thought it. But it was necessary because now what you're doing is you crying out to the Father. You're reading your word. You're asking for extra guidance to find out where it is that you missed that or what did you miss and how you need to move forward. Portrayal for me has been the best thing every time it's happened because it's always elevated my spiritual life. It's elevated my study. It's elevated my prayer. It's elevated my walk. So portrayal, not that I say that I welcome it, but it's like bring it on because whatever you think you got planned, God's, something, God's got other things planned even better. So bring it on. So just know that if you're in leadership in any capacity, and, and I mean it could be, you know, you're over the PTA, you, know, you are over Sunday school, you're over the little, you know, neighborhood watch, you're in any type of leadership small or large, betrayal will happen, you know. But the leader who is defined by it will always wallow around in self-pity and defeat, while the one who is sharpened by it will allow God to use it to conform to his image and shape him into a better leader and a better friend and a better believer, and a better co-worker, and a better worker. Because even though you may work what you say, well, I'm not a manager, I just have colleagues, 
you're still a leader amongst the people, your peers. And how you carry yourself, how you execute, people still look up to what you're doing. So you're still a leader. You know, if he brought you to it, he will lead you through it. You know, don't give up on God or the people he has called you to serve. You know, stay the course. Like, life is too short. Life is too short and hell is too hot to allow for, you know, the discouragement to turn into defeat. Like, I'm in Georgia, and I don't like to sweat, and I don't like to be hot. So, therefore, if I don't like to be hot now, I don't want to go to a place where it's going to be hot all the time. That's just not what I'm looking to do in this part of my life. I'm good with that. You know, we can leave it alone. I'm perfectly happy with not having to be hot for the rest of life and eternity. I'm good. So therefore, that means I am going to allow it to sharpen me, to lift me, to take me into another direction, you know. And But now you're probably saying, listen, I get you, I understand it, but I'm hurt. I'm still hurt, and what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to, you know, feel? How do I get over this? You know, I, I just, I can't. I, I just cannot do it. Like, why can't I just get over it? What is it? What is the all-purpose plan? How should I move forward? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. There is various ways that you can do to get, you know, deal with betrayal and move forward. You know, now, I have a couple that has worked for me in my journey. Um, and the first one is go ahead and grieve. Give yourself time to process and be honest about the pain. Don't pretend it didn't matter because it does. Like you was hurt by someone you trusted, someone you loved, someone you depended on, someone you thought had your back. And that's the problem. I think we don't really grieve situations. We sweep them under the rug. We put on, we tell each other, put on your big girl panties, put on your big girl drawers, and just deal with it. And the problem is, is that that stuff festers because you just bottle it and shovel it down. And so now instead of just one betrayal, you have 50 that you've just smothered and not really dealt with until you get that one which you can't take it no more. And now people think you're crazy because you done snapped off on somebody. Give yourself time to process it. Really do. And this was something very important even for me because I was the queen of following it in my little, you know, mental file cabinet. And I used to have this statement, you know, when I think about it now, it was just like, okay, you know, it probably was not the nicest thing to do. But in my street days, in, you know, the back in the days, and a lot of my friends, and they're, most of them are listening or they're here on a replay, they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, she, she actually used to say that. My, this was my motto. You know, it may not be tomorrow. It may not be a week from now. It may be 20 years from now, but I'm going to get you. And what I realized was, 
it was my way, even though I claimed that I had, you know, forgotten about it, I was still had it filed away in my mental file cabinet. And one day I had went back home. Um, I went back to Boston to see my brother and my godson, you know, just family and whatever and friends. And I was, we was in the old neighborhood and me and my um, oldest godson's mother, we was just walking, you know, the neighborhood. And this person who saw us walking, this person literally stopped and went and walked across the street to walk up the street. And I didn't think anything of it. And so about a couple of days later, that same person ran into, you know, my godson's mom and was like, how do you know her? Like, how, you know, what's going on? And, and, you know, my girlfriend's like, that's my godson's, you know, mom. We've been friends for over 20 years. And she began to tell the incident that happened with me and her oh, my goodness, like, we was, like, late teens. But it wasn't that incident. It was my words. It was the fact that I said, you know, I may not get you today or tomorrow or 20 years. It may be 20 years from now, but I'll get you. And so when my daughter's mother told me that, I was like, wow. And that is when I began to understand the power of my words. There were so many people I had said that to that may be living in fear or thinking that I'm going to come back at them, and I don't even know I don't even know who these people are anymore. I've long forgotten it, but they hadn't. And I remember it was at revival, and I literally went early, and I had to go to the altar, and I had to pray not only for forgiveness, but I had to ask God to calm their minds and calm their nerves and give them peace. That I was never going to do anything to them. I needed them to have that peace because who knows whose lives I've messed up with my words. So I stopped holding on to things and keeping them forever because what it is, it damages other people. Not only just yourself, it damages other people. So now what you do is you take the time to go through and process what has happened. Feel the pain. Experience the pain. Sometimes you may have to rest in it a little bit, but go through it so that you can fully get rid of it and not hold on to it and not only hurt yourself but hurt somebody else. Number The second one that a part of this process of dealing with betrayal is forgive. This has always been a stumbling block. And it's not only just for me. I know for many of you listening this evening or who listen later, forgiveness is the hardest thing. One of everyone's favorite phrases, I'll forgive you, but I won't forget. Now, in some instances, forgetting may be hard depending on the levels of the betrayal of what happened, whether it was physical, you know, there's a lot of things that fall into that. And so there's going to be times where you can't forget. But I'm talking about the ones where you're just refusing to, you know, forgive somebody over a a minor infraction or you're just holding a grudge because you want to hold a grudge because you want that person to feel your pain. But see, as much as it hurts, as much as it hurts, 
refusing to forgive or holding the grudge is going to hurt you more than the person that betrayed you. Because the person that betrayed you has moved on. They're not even thinking about it. They think, unfortunately, that what they've done has served them. And, you know, if they're not a believer, you know, the enemy has blessed them nicely because, you know, they he feels that they've done what they he needed them to do, not realizing that the God you serve is awesome and that your bounce back ability is amazing, you know. And then, too, let me explain. If you're a believer, if you say you're a believer, it is not an option. It is a command of God. And that was when I realized, even for myself, that I couldn't be picky and choosy of who I forgave and why I forgave them. Because if I wanted the blessings and everything that God had for me, I had to obey everything he said I had to. You know, embrace and extend grace and let it go. You know, now, if there are realistic consequences, you can let those occur. But in your heart, let it go. And when I say realistic consequences, you know, the betrayal may have been of top-level secrets where, you know, something happened and it, it caused devastation, whatever, and then, you know, the law may get involved. There may be things that you, once that betrayal has happened, it set off a chain of events that you can't do anything about and that there's consequences to the betrayer. You can't do anything about that. You let go and let that happen through its process, you know. Forgiveness is a cho- you know is a choice not dependent on the other person's response, and I'm, a, I'm it is the most freeing decision you can make. Just in the last year, I have just decided that I'm forgiving people, and there's no end if the buts about it. I'm not dwelling on what they did to me in the past. I've just put it in you know a sea of forgiveness now. Understand, forgiveness doesn't mean that you allow somebody to just walk all over you and treat and mistreat you. There is still called boundaries that you must have so that you can move forward. So you still have to put boundaries to protect yourself. But that doesn't mean that you can't forgive people. You know, now it may take you, you know, time to do it. But the longer you delay, the more you are still held captive by the betrayal. And last Lent season, Lent 2018, when I fully, fully was like, I'm not going to discuss it. I'm not even going to bring it up in conversation. I've said my peace. I've, you know, made peace with it. I've forgiven them. I've asked God, forgive me for holding on and harping on to it and just, you know, blocking the blessings that he had for me. I was done. And it's opened so many doors, like, immediately. Opportunities that came my way that I never thought about. Because I made a conscious effort that I was going to do what he needed me to do no matter what, that I could no longer be selfish and not moving forward in the purpose that God had predestined for me 
because someone needed me to do what I need to do. Someone needs to hear my testimony. Someone needs to see my walk. Someone needs to see how I've made it through things. So I can no longer just be like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay in my little world, and it's going to be okay. I had to forgive and forgive completely, not worrying about who, what, when, or where. Now, once you've gone through the grieving process, you know, and then once you've gone through the forgiving process, now is the time to just analyze. You know, it's a good time at the time of betrayal to consider what went wrong. You know, was it an error in our judgment? Do you need stricter guidelines for yourself and for those you lead? Would it have happened regardless? Like, you can't script morality, and you shouldn't attempt to, but you should use this chance as a healthy review of the parameters in which the betrayal occurs. Now, notice what I said, though. You have to go through the grieving process. You cannot still be in pain and upset and hurt and trying to analyze what went wrong. It's just like when you're in corporate America or at work or working on a project, you have what is called an after-action report. It's basically a report that you give after an event or project has concluded, at least maybe the setup phase or, you know, the execution phase has gone through. And you have been running it for maybe 30, 60, 90 days. How many days or time that you set for a proper review? You let the system run, you see what's going on, you see what whatever, and then you sit down and review all those findings, and you have set criteria that you're asking these questions and how you can do things and what it would have happened if we had pushed it back this time. That is what, when you're, the, the same thing you're going to do when you're analyzing a betrayal or a hurt, because what you want to do is really say, is this me just letting anybody and anything into my space? Or is it me, even though, even though God told me not to bring this person on, I did it anyways? That's where, where it's considered an error in judgment. Or you may have had someone where you were good friends, but there's a separation between friends and business. Now, me personally, I have a strict no do business with family policy. And it's not, and some friends. And it's not because I don't love my friends, I don't love my family, but business Juanita is very different than cousin, friend, sister Juanita. And, and I'm not saying it's a difference in, you know, how things are, but business Juanita is about business, and we're going to handle things accordingly, and there's rules and regulations and timelines and things that we need to adhere to. You know, now, friend Juanita, yeah, we can go out and, you know, get lunch or whatever, but that's not going to happen during business hours because during that time we're conducting business. And I realized that many people who know me personally, this may be only about 5% of my <laughs> friends who we can work together. I know one, I'm not going to mention her name. I'll probably mention it next time after I get her permission, but we can be in a boardroom. I remember we were in a meeting, 
we had this blow by blow, and then what, what people would call it a knockdown dragout. We were in the boardroom deciding what this event was going to do, how it was going to do. We was going at it. The meeting was adjourned, and we were like, okay, where are we going to eat? And everyone looked at us like, but y'all just was arguing in there. And she said it before me. He was like, that's business. Business, we, we respect each other when it comes to business, but it doesn't interfere with our friendship. And, yes, you have certain people, and you have to recognize if, you know, there's, there can be a boundary like there because then not everyone can deal with that business side or that side that's, you know, serious and strict. You know, some people think, well, because we're friends and because we're family, I should have leeway. And so, therefore, sometimes you just can't mix the two, even though you would like to. So that's where you have the stricter guidelines. You know, I know some people see some ministers and they say, oh, my goodness, they're not accessible. We can't get to them. You know, why can't we all go out and whatever? They have to be strict about who is around them because they have to lead you. So, therefore, they can't always be kiki and haha. You can't be over their house having dinner and, you know, doing whatever. Because then when he gets up to lead you, you're going to sit there and say, well, shoot, he was up there drinking a glass of wine and he said a cuss word. You can't do that. So, therefore, there has to be, you know, boundaries. And even though we don't like boundaries, boundaries are necessary for our own well-being. You know, so when you have things, when a betrayal happens, especially on a grand magnitude, analyze it. You know, analyze it. See what happened, what could have went wrong. And then sometimes you just have people that it, it, it doesn't matter what you would have done. You could have had everything in place. And sometimes you may have to accept that the betrayal had to happen because it needed to elevate you to another level that you would not have gone had this person still remained in the position in which they were in. Sometimes the betrayal may not be understood, but we are at the end of a point, and we have gotten comfortable there and we like it there, and therefore we're not doing anything further. Now, we keep asking God for the blessings, but we don't want to move further to get that because that's going to require a little bit more work and a little bit more accountability, but it also means that the person who you close to is not going to be able to go with you. So therefore you remain in comfort world, and just sit there, and you relish all of it. But you're not realizing that your call is so important and it's so great that he is not going to allow you to sit there, and he is not going to allow them to distract you. Sometimes it has to happen because we won't move any other time. There is seasons for everything, and not everyone is meant to go for the lifetime. We tend to mess things up when we, you know, feel that seasonal people are lifetime people, or we try to make seasonal people lifetime people. 
and we start giving them lifetime assignments, and we start giving them lifetime insights. We start giving them things that we wouldn't give a seasonal person. So that's why that betrayal hurts, because you decided that that was going to be a lifetime person, and God, it was like that was a seasonal person. And because you refused to get it, and I've done it. I've done it several times. When he told me to walk away, I'm like, God, I want to try to make it work. and I'm, Let's just do this. Let's go to counseling. Let's just see what happens. I'm going to give them one more chance. He's all okay. And he, he'll let you try to figure it out. He's going to just sit there. And then one or two things are going to happen. You're going to ask him to do what he needs to do, and you're going to keep your hands off of it. Or if you have a purpose and you have to get to the next point for someone else to get to this, he is going to remove that person or situation from you, and he's going to do it in a way that you can't go back. All of my major betrayals are situations that I can't go back to. And it was because he had told me, this is not a lifetime situation. Walk away. And I decided to ignore him. So he made it where there was no going back. So sometimes we also have to look at what our role is in the betrayal. Again, you have some you have some betrayal that just happened because it's a part of your overall growth and you know here, but then there's some that happened that could have been prevented had we been obedient, had we stayed where we supposed to be. Absolutely. So analyze that. And then once you analyze and you have it all written out, talk to God. Ask him to direct you on the things. Even you may say, I don't see how I went wrong. Talk to God because he's always going to lay it out for you. He's always going to be blunt and honest, and he's going to do it in love. He is going to do it in love. So always talk to him so you can get a full and clear understanding of what went wrong, how it went wrong, and how he's moving you forward. And then after you have grieved, after you've forgiven, and after you have analyzed the situation, you've got to continue to move forward. Like you can't allow the betrayal to distract you from the vision that you've been called to complete. You know, but equally important, don't allow this time to build up walls where you never trust again or unnecessary structure which burdens the rest of the team. Like, and that's what I did, and he had to break those walls down because you can't you can't work in the ministry and be, you know, the ministry and work it out and do all those things. You can't do everything. You have to delegate. You can't be like, oh, I'm going to be the receptionist. I'm going to be the bookkeeper. I am going to be the event planner. I am going to be the marketing person. I'm going to be the social media person, you know, and I'm going to be my own assistant. <laughs> No wonder you can't get anything done. 
So you have to break down those walls. Like, I know for me, I'm like, shoot, I'm going to be looking for an assistant soon. And I, I remember there was a couple of years ago that I would have never said that because I would never allow somebody to be that close to me or to know that, that the intimate things I need to, you know, they need to be able to work with me because I was closed off because betrayal had consumed me. But see, what happens, what I will do is I will seek God before bringing that person into this world. Because whoever that is, God has to have a say on. God has to be in agreement with. Because I can't bring Susie and God wants Mary. Because if I bring Susie and I go against what God says, that's going to be trouble. You know, so there are there will always be betrayers as long as there are people. Always, always. You know, Jesus had them. They show up unexpectedly at times, and if you read in Acts, they replace the 12th person again. Now, mind you, remember, there's the original 12. Judas was like, I'm out. I'm going to get some money. Um, yeah, he over there. I ain't doing this no more. They didn't miss a beat. He was replaced. And they moved forward despite the betrayal, despite it and in spite of it. You know, eventually you're going to have to take the, take the risk on people again. It's the only way, you know, to be able to live and lead in a healthy way. You know, they'll come. The way we deal with them often determines the future quality of our leadership, our lives, our day-to-day. Because trust me, they're there waiting. They're like, hey, what's going on? How you be? I'm doing good. What we got going on today? How can we stick, and some people, you do have some people be like, how can I stick a knife in your back today? What business of yours can I put out there today that will (laughs) just get everything going? How can I infiltrate what you got going on to make me look better? It's there. But we have to follow Jesus' example you know, especially when he just kept going. And we talk about it to this day because without it, we wouldn't be having Holy Week. We wouldn't be talking about this is the Last Supper that they had before, you know, before he was arrested. And then the next day he's going to be taken to trial and crucified where he's going to die on the cross and then on Easter. Sunday, he arose to glory, meaning that death no longer had the hold that it had on us, that we were now free to commune with his father, with him being the perfect covering of the blood. And then with the betrayal, even though, even though his followers, even though the disciples were no longer going to see him again, they were able to see the glory and the benefit of the portrayal. 
And that is the most important thing, is seeing the overall glory in the betrayal. Because you may think now, like, how do I deal with this and what's going on? But a year from now, when you see where God has brought you and how you've elevated and how things that you didn't think would manifest has manifested, how the things, how you've grown, how you've learned to love in spite of, how you are just able to just move without worrying about what's going on and how it's going on. This when you see the beauty and the glory and the portrayal, you know. And it's not for the weak. We all are going to have to go through it. We all are going to have to go through it. But, again, if you don't decide to put on that whole armor of God, if you don't decide that God is your end all and be all and that he is the one that you need to seek and go to in confidence and love and allow him to cover you, it's going to happen. It's going to hit you, you know, with like a ton of bricks. And think, you can't be surprised. You cannot be surprised. And let me tell you why. If you're doing what God needs you to do, and you're moving how God needs you to move, it should never come as a surprise. Because the enemy is always watching. He's lurking. And he's just waiting to see a point at which he can attack. Because he knows if you fully execute the vision, you can't be stopped. So he is going to do everything, everything in his power to make sure you stop. Notice I didn't say be distracted, you know, have issues. He wants you to stop. That is the enemy's ultimate goal, is to stop. And we can't do that because God's word can never return void. He always, it, it has to happen, you know. And then notice and finally think about God has a plan with the betrayal. You think about Joseph being betrayed by his brothers. They threw him into a pit and they sold him into slavery. He was falsely accused by the Egyptian slave master's wife and thrown into prison. However, God was with Joseph in prison and blessed him. And after his release from prison, he became the top leader in Egypt next to Pharaoh and was able to keep his family alive during severe famine. Now think about this. If he had held on to that betrayal, if he didn't trust God with all his heart and love and forgive, when it came time to help his family, he'd have been like, nah, they did me dirty. I don't even want to be bothered with them. I ain't going to get them. They can die. That's what he could have said. 
but he was so wholeheartedly into God and what God needed from him, and he had believed that his call was great. The betrayal wasn't a surprise. He just didn't know by who it was going to be, but he knew it was going to happen. And he took that, once he was elevated to where he was elevated, he took that and knowing and saying, you know what, I can now help and make sure my family is good. I don't have to worry about it. So that's where the glory in the betrayal is. Because you begin to move beyond it. You still do it in spite of. You lead in spite of. You love in spite of. It doesn't matter what's going on in life. So when we're thinking about betrayal, sometimes embrace it because it's going to get you to the next level. It's going to take you to the next step, you know, if you haven't been betrayed by someone close to you, eventually you will. And our first response should be to cry out to Jesus who loves us, pursues us, and intimately understands the reality of our betrayal. Because he does, because he experienced it, because he walked it, he knows the hurt. He knows the pain, and he is going to ultimately help you move past it. So cry out to him. Seek him, because he will be the one that will be able to move you forward out of the betrayal. I want to thank you for listening to Moving Past Your Show this evening. Be sure to visit us on our Facebook page to join the conversation, to access show notes, um, and get fantastic bonus content. Um, you can also subscribe to the show on iTunes and Spotify. Just search for Moving Past You. If you're on Facebook, you can also search for Praise Orlando um, Media Group, and you can hear replays on there as well. Um, and as always, be kind in your words, in your thoughts, and in your deeds. Thank you. Love you, be blessed, and we'll see you next week at 7 p.m. Good evening.